Welcome back to Ratchet and Wrench Radio, strategies and inspiration for auto care success. I'm your host, Chris Jones, and today I'm joined by Liz and Keith Perkins, the owners of L1 Automotive Diagnostic and Programming in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Today, Liz, Keith, and I are going to talk about the founding of the business, how Liz got involved as someone coming in from a non-technical background and who is now running her own portion of the business doing ADOS calibrations alongside Keith. We're also going to talk about what they look for in teammates and why diagnostic technicians are a very specialty niche but very necessary for the auto care industry. Then we're also going to dive into the training program they've built. They developed a large and robust online training program, and they're going to talk about how they developed it, what's in it, and how shops can take advantage of that. So without further ado, here's Liz and Keith Perkins. Well, hey, Liz and Keith. Welcome to Ratchet and Wrench Radio. Hi. Hey. Hi. Yeah, so you guys are the owners of L1 Automotive. Uh, tell our audience what L1 is and what makes you guys different. Yeah, so we're, I guess we're more like L1 Auto Group at this point because we've got uh, the training company, we've got a brick and mortar repair shop, and then um, a mobile company as well that services other professional repair shops and collision centers. So I guess what really makes us different is that we spend a lot of time on training and keeping up to date. And, you know, a lot of shops say that, but this is, we're well beyond that at this point with, with having the training company, we're constantly involved in either creating new uh, content for technologies or, or really helping other companies that are setting the, like, like with ASE, we do a lot of work with ASE. So we're kind of trying to be on the forefront all the time. Okay, great. And we'll circle back to the training company. First, I want to dive into just, you know, your background. You know, Keith, you mentioned that you were a fourth generation technician, you know, so the trade is in your family. Uh, how did you get involved in the trades, like individually? Like, how did you decide that you wanted to pursue the trades? And then how did you go from being a technician to now a business owner? Yeah, so I actually pursued two separate career paths other than the automotive industry, uh, both times while trying to get what working on those two separate degrees, um, we kind of, I paid my way through school all the time by working on vehicles. It was kind of funny. Um, it was always just the thing I was doing. I, I constantly worked either in the industry part-time or full-time while going to school. Determined I really didn't like either of those two industries, uh, working in both the IT field and and law enforcement and kind of just fell back to, I think I'm going to keep working on vehicles. This is, this is what I'm good at it. It's what I like to do. Um, and then that's, that kept me into being a technician or, or started in the parts world and then worked all the way to a technician early, early on as a parts guy. And then, uh, typically that's a, not a good transition. Typically from parts guy to, to technician is, uh, it's not a, it's not a successful crossover. It's not a successful path that happens. So being a technician for a little while and then, and then kind of came into shop ownership. I don't, I don't know if you want to go into that yet or, or what, but that's kind of how I started that way and how I got into it. And then Liz's is a little different. Yeah, tell us your foray into it, Liz. Yeah, so um, I started in sales. Um, I have done cell phone sales and furniture sales and things like that. But uh, for the most of the time, I was a stay-at-home mom to our two children. And when it was time for them to go to school, I just decided, hey, we're just going to um, hang around with Keith in the van. You know, we started this company and uh, determined that I'd I don't know. His passion is very contagious. And so he really got me involved and and I started really enjoying it. And then, I mean, kind of the rest is history. Here I am. Yeah. So Keith, yeah, take us back a little bit, you know, to when you were working in an auto shop and then going from working in an auto shop as a technician to starting your own company. Like what was that sequence like? So I was working at a, at a pretty large 
automotive repair company uh, that they got a bunch of franchises all over the company or all over the country. And um, the particular location I was working at was kind of slow. Uh, we went through a lot of front office staff. I was just a technician, a line technician. I did a lot of programming there. That company's kind of known for doing a lot of programming and doing that a lot. I kind of got to where we were at a point with how slow the shop was that the owner was okay with me doing some work for other shops on like weekends and stuff. Um, and I had already kind of started the, the company on paper, uh, L1 automotive diagnostics and programming, just so whenever I did anything, you know, external, it was it was on the up and up. I had all the right, I had insurance, I had that kind of stuff. Wanted to make sure I was doing everything correctly. It got to where we were so, so slow that, uh, I actually came in, we, we had a day that we called day of service where we did free oil changes for, um, like people that needed those kind of services down their vehicles that couldn't pay for it. And I actually couldn't make that day. It was the first time in like three and three years that I didn't, this would have been the fourth year I did that day. And I, I told the owner, I was like, Hey, I, I can't come in and work for free on Saturday, I have to go do these other jobs because, and I had been in constant contact with this owner, letting him know, Hey, I got, you know, 16 weeks left of, of doing under 30 hours as a flat rate tech. I'm, you know, and I was making almost double the hours the other techs were in the shop. So it was getting pretty stressful. We were getting, you know, bills were getting really racked up. Credit cards were racked up and pretty good amount of debt. And I was like, Hey, I only got a couple more weeks of this before I, I have to do something. And he was like, just stick with me, just stick with me. So I uh, came to him that Friday and said, hey, I can't make it to the day of service tomorrow. I can't come and work for free. I have to go do these jobs. I have to pay bills. And he was like, yeah, I understand. And then Monday morning, he kind of pulled me in and said, hey, we're going to go a different direction. And I was thinking, okay, we're going to go like hourly or something since I did most of Diag's. And uh, he was like, it'd be best if you probably packed up your tools and went and looked for a job today or tomorrow. And I was like, oh, okay. So I packed up all my tools and this was November 5th, 2018, packed up all my tools into my Nissan Titan, uh, all my Diag stuff, and then just literally drove to the next shop down the road and kind of sat there in the parking lot deciding, do I go in and ask for a job or do I go in and tell them, hey, I'm that part-time programming and Diag stuff that I do, I'm, I'm full-time now. So, and it was just kind of, I went into each shop and I said, could I see myself working here? Nope. I'm like, okay, do you have any vehicles that that need repaired, that need anything programmed. Here's my card. I literally, I'd probably printed cards like what a month before that maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just so I'd have some more ways to leave a phone number with them rather than right now. Let me write down my number for you. You know, you can call me. I promise I know what I'm doing. And that's, it looks kind of rough. You write a piece on a piece of paper. So I had some cards printed. It kind of all just worked out just right. It was, you know, some divine intervention there that we worked out just where I needed it to be. And, uh, it's one of those kind of the rest is history at that point. You know, I, it, it was nonstop from that day. I, I, for the first couple of weeks, I really tried to like, is there a shop that I would like to work at that does things the way I think it should be done. But as a Diag tech flat rate is just, it's the end of your world. You can't, you can't survive as a, as a Diag tech on flat rate if you're doing a bunch of diagnostics. So yeah, I just, I didn't find anything that fit. So started the mobile company that day. Wow. So that, that totally was a different direction you wanted to go in, huh? Yeah. It was. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that had to catch you by surprise though. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was, I wasn't ready for, for that conversation that morning when he pulled me in and said, we're, you know, we, I think we're going to go a different direction. I was thinking it was, you know, hourly pay, a foreman type position. Cause I was doing so many diags for other techs in the shop and a lot of the programming and some of the OE equipment I had myself that that shop didn't have. Um, even as a well-equipped franchise, it just, they just didn't have what they needed to do everything like Nissan specifically was something I had a lot of information on. And that franchise company, they had about 200 stores at the time. And I was doing Nissan infinity tech support for all those stores. Anytime any of them needed help, I volunteered to do that. 
because with the with the home office of that company, I had a really good relationship with them and they always supported me and told me about it, training events coming up and tried to get me involved in stuff. So, so it was really good. Just the individual franchisee I worked for just didn't quite see the path, I think. Yeah. But that's almost like a recurring thing that you hear from time to time with, with oh, yeah. people who go into business for themselves that they get kind of kicked out of the nest. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they, they kind of wake up and find they don't have a job and then they realize, well, I've got the ability to, to carry myself. I just didn't you know think I could at the time, but I actually can. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That was, that was kind of the worry in day one was like, can I do this <laughs> full time? Yeah. So, so walk through that, like how you went from just day one of just starting, cause it was mobile, right? The business right. was mobile. Yep. So mobile. starting with mobile, just from day one, going mobile to, you know, the last couple of years into getting your shop, like the actual yeah. physical location. Talk about how you grew as a, as an owner. Yeah. So the first couple, the first month or so was kind of just Liz and I talking back and forth about strategies. She would help me look up, um, locations and and like where wh- what was my route for the day on how I was going to get there to each individual shop um so I want to say a lot of it was just a lot of conversation on wh- or where do we go how do we get there what what services are we going to offer um are we going to offer services to individuals too was a big conversation in the beginning or was it just going to stick with professional repair shops and collision centers and we tried doing the individuals you know, and, and it was just really hard to get the public to understand that all that we would do is diagnose the concern. We didn't do any repair unless it was like a connector repair or electrical repair. And that was really it. We wouldn't change any parts. We didn't. I mean, I, I think I literally had just a little gear wrench socket set with me. And I, yeah. I purposely did that so I couldn't get roped into doing jobs. It was like, <laughs> all right, stick within what you're going to do. And, and that's always been a challenge for us because we always try to add where we do everything all the time where we do ADOS and we do keys and we do programming diag. And I never want to say no to a programming job. I like telling shops, it doesn't matter what it is. If it can be done, we can do it. And that's put us in some predicaments a couple of times, but uh, yeah, so it was just shop to shop. I was literally just feed on boots on the ground, run around going shop to shop, door to door, just telling them, Hey, anything that you got that you would normally send to the dealer or you'd sublet out or you got any cars you're stuck on, uh, give me a call. And I made a, I made some definite business mistakes in the beginning. Like we were doing stuff way too cheap in the beginning when it came to like diags. I think we were like $80 to do a diagnosis. And it was just like, I mean, it, it was trying to get in the door though. And I, I want to say about two or three months in, I was telling shops like, Hey, I'm just doing it at this price to get you to realize that I can fix the car, um, that you can trust me. I said, and then once I get you hooked, I'm going to jack the prices up and then I got you. <laughs> And we both, both laugh and then now we're kind of in the position where it's true. That's yeah. we have that, that tell us they can't survive without us. Um, and that's, I don't know, that's torn for us. That's a, that's a fun conversation we could have later, but <laughs> of my feelings about that. But yeah. So, uh, did that for a little while. When I say, when did we hire Zach? So I joined in like January. I think we determined January of 19 ish. Yeah. yeah. And then yes. Zach, we hired in August. Yeah. So we, we were busy, super busy, super fast. I was hitting everything that I could do. We bought, I bought my first brand new vehicle ever in, um, August 31st of 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, cause we need another vehicle cause we're going to put Zach right and everything. We so, both had a van. We bu- yeah. We were driving my van. Nissan Titan and then we had a transit connect we bought. And anyways, it, beyond the vehicles, we started quickly having to need help. So it was Liz and I, and then it was like, man, someone's got to answer the phone, but then it can't be out there. So then we hired a, a guy I used to work with, uh, Zach, 
uh, Kreider. He's with us. He's our very first employee still with us. Obviously we, we haven't lost a single employee. We have a 0% turnover and since 2018, since we hired someone 2019, I guess, um, everyone's been with us. So we hired Zach. Uh, we were really hitting Tulsa area hard, um, had a lot of customers, got to where we needed another person. Yeah. Third vehicle on the road. Needed a third vehicle on the road. Yeah. And we got, um, Zach two was next, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got Zach two, another Zach <laughs> with yeah. also with a last name starting in C Cypert. So we started calling him Zach one and Zach two. Um, yeah. that was 2020, right? Yeah, and right before uh, we got Zach two, we actually got a brick and mortar location for oh, Ados. That's, that's right. Um, so and we had started doing trainings out of there. Yeah, and things it like was that. like fifteen hundred square feet. It was one bay door. It's probably uh, a lengthy lengthy enough for us to put three vans end to end in there, and one little ten by ten office and a little six by eight bathroom. Um, so we needed a spot to start doing ADOS. So we're like, oh, this will be a building to start in. It's, it was inexpensive. It was a place to house the vans at night. No no intention of it being a location to do any repairs for anybody. And we had a shop. What really started the, the, the whole entire brick and mortar was we had a, a shop call us from down the road who was like, hey, we, we have this Ford truck with 1234YF. The AC doesn't work. Since we don't have a machine, we can't diagnose it. And this is a shop that we would do like – we would come and diagnose a problem for them where we'd come and evacuate refrigerant and they would do repairs and we put it back in. But since they didn't know what was wrong, they gave up on it. They said, can we just send them down to you? And I said, yeah, I mean, we got a place. We'll, we'll organize a time for the customer to come since you can't even figure it out. And we get it in and it has a leak. And, and that really started, I actually have a funny a YouTube video that I made about that explaining that like, you don't need a, an AC machine to diagnose this concern. You can see refrigerant pressures and all this. You can see all this information and scan data um, and then a good visual inspection. And it was a, it was a leaking condenser. It was a very common problem. Uh, so we went ahead and ordered the parts, got the repair all done. Um, got, got the car back to customer. Everything was fine. We, you know, evacuated, filled it, every, did everything we were supposed to get, get done. I was like, man, this is, I can't believe that shop couldn't do this, figure this out and this repair. And we had worked with a number of shops and, and Diag was about, 70% of the work we did back then. Mm-hmm. We're at about 55 to 60% of our work now is still Diag. Um, and at that point, it was like, you know what? We probably could do some repairs. So we, we never advertised. To this day, we still haven't advertised that we have a brick and mortar. Uh, no no ads anywhere, nothing, no billboards, no signs. No, I mean, there's a little banner out front on the front of the building, but it's all referrals from other shops to their customers to uh, for us. Um, which is super wild when you think about that, that there, there other shops are willing to just send their customer to us. Um, but it, all of it always starts with the same way. It's the other shop says they have the big computer, they have the tool, they think it's the tool or the computer or whatever that we have. And it really is the, the like our technicians, like we literally have the best guys. Yeah. So we went from that building, uh, we had got Zach to, and then we had to move to a bigger building. We're just out of space. Um, so it was less than a year, probably six or eight months, yeah. right? Something like that. Yeah, it was. Uh, um, so we moved to a building at 2,500 square feet. And this was this was big game for us. So we moved in this building. We put a lift in. That was like, all right, so now we're really getting doing some work. It still is completely shadowed by the, the mobile company. It was it was small game work, maybe maybe one or two cars a week that we would do extra repairs. Probably five or six that were coming in uh, a week that were just diags, sometimes for other shops, where the shop would bring it over to us and drop it off. That way – 
Liz and I, Liz could run dispatch and paperwork and, and answer all the phone calls and organize who needs to go where based on what they're able to do. And then she could do ADOS in the building and I could do tech support and remote programming and all those things that we were doing and helping the guys and still be in the van. And it got to where like, okay, so that means there's someone here. So we can, we can have someone in the, we can have a front office that has a customer like facing, put a desk out there. Um, yeah. And I don't know, what were there, eight months again too? No, we were there a little over a year. A little over a year. Okay. Yeah. So then we hired an actual repair tech um, that is now turned into a mobile diagnostician and programmer. Um, so we hired him in January. That's of Laramie. 20, yep. No, 22. 22. Yeah. Yep. And then, then we moved again uh, yep. in November of last year to this current building, which is over 5,000 square feet on a, a two-acre lot, fence, gated, fully graveled. So we're able to have lots of vehicles um, where before our biggest hurdle was parking. Uh, we had about, what, six spaces yeah. um, at the building previous. So I don't know. This just kind of opened up a huge world. And um we have uh, added another employee since moving to this building, um, uh, John, and he started with us November, December um, last year. And then we have um, just hired two new employees. So we hired someone to do uh, only mechanical work here for now. He's going to learn to be a diagnostician and, and programmer, but uh, he's going to cover all of our mechanical repairs. That's Josh. He's, he just started with us. He's on week two, right? Yeah. I mean, he's been this with is- us. Yeah. Four days now. So. Yeah, four days. Yeah. So, and then uh, at the same time, with basically the same exact start date, uh, we actually moved to a new market. We moved down to Oklahoma City, um, which is about two hours southwest uh, of us, um, for another mobile technician to have that market. Who a technician lives down there, Jeff Barnes. He's been on a bunch of podcasts with a bunch of people, and he's an all very active in all the Facebook groups that a lot of us are in. So he's going to be. This is actually the first anyone's heard of it. I think. I think we haven't yeah. even posted on the internet yet. No. Yeah. So. We have the Oklahoma City market now technician. He's training with us this week. He'll be down there next week. Um, so yeah, that's that yeah. kind of brings us to today. But you know, there's tons of little mile markers and and little things we went across the way and adding a mobilizer and getting into keys and module repair and mm-hmm. I mean, just it's it's uh, exponentially grown. Yeah. Every month. I mean, yeah. we're not quite to five years, and we have eight eight total people that work. Uh, in this business every day and are full-time employed and um this is our third building and we have multiple vans and vehicles for our employees and it, like i said it's just yeah. it's flourished we, we promised ourselves that we're gonna we're gonna ride the whole lease out for this building though <laughs> <laughs> three years three years we must be here so yeah all right you're a diagnostic technician. You know, you have you have a company that's built on being yeah. you know diagnostic technicians. Are diagnostic technicians hard to come by to, to the point where you were able to carve out an entire niche for yourself? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, there's probably a I can't I can't imagine what the number is. I think there's somewhere over six hundred thousand technicians total in the industry, and I think all the numbers that use that also account in like um, lube technicians at quick oil change places and stuff. Um, as a technician. So it's, it's, it's a broad term to cover a lot of individuals. And I would say there's probably maybe, maybe a couple thousand total if, of people that are really just diagnosticians that can, that can actually operate at that level to be just a diagnostic technician or someone who just does these niche things, who doesn't have to do repair to be successful in this industry. Um, I'm, I'm, there's gotta be a lot of them that we don't know, right? We, we, 
we all think it's super, super small. And then every once in a while, we'll go into a shop and find a technician that's in a shop that's actually capable of doing that. Uh, but it's it's pretty rare. Like most of us all know each other all across the country. We're in lots of Facebook groups and messenger groups where we talk and, you know, you talk to one guy in one city and he says, yeah, there's one other guy in this other shop that's really good. And other than that, there's no one around us. Yeah. Right. So it's, it is a very small niche group, but it's, it's, it's very difficult to find. Uh, going into the Oklahoma City market, you know, I'm, of course, meeting with shop owners and um, talking to them about, you know, all the things that we offer. And one guy, he goes, man, what a smart idea to have Diagnostics Mobile. And, uh, but for him, it was like, kind of this like light bulb moment, you know, oh, like, hey, like I can get a really great diagnostic um, technician or I can, you know, keep trying to find somebody or, you know, I can call this company, which I know has a great technician. And it, it just, it was a great little conversation that I had and a couple different shops, honestly, they were like, oh, hey, yeah, you know, but you don't see a lot of them. I, I don't think that. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot confident. of confident. I think that the problem is, is that a technician that's going to be really good at diagnostics has to focus on that. Um, it's, a, it's a muscle, right? Your brain, you got to you got to use it or it gets weak. And when when you're slinging parts all day long and you only get to do one or two diags at most a day and you don't see that many you know, in a year, I, one of our technicians that's on the road will diagnose more cars in one year than a, another technician would in their entire career, right? So we saw 4,200 cars last year, and I want to say 2,900 were diagnostic lines. Um, so it's 2,900 diagnosis last year. And so we've got our own little database of all these repairs that were done and di- diags that were done. A lot of them are wiring. And, and you know, we're servicing over 400 shops now in the Tulsa area alone. That's a, that's a lot of vehicles. I mean, Tulsa is not a, you know, a, a world-renowned metropolitan area, right? <laughs> you know, we're, it's the second largest city in Oklahoma, but that doesn't say a lot. You know, we, we, the metropolitan Tulsa area, everyone that's serviced out of that is just over a million people, mm-hmm. right? There's that much in like Minneapolis and that one zip code. <laughs> so there's that much in a very small space in other more populated areas. So you can only imagine what that would be like in some of those larger areas, how many cars get serviced. And what we find is that a technician that is not just completely bought into just doing diet, someone who's not just spending all of their time doing it, studying it, working on it, being in that field, they're falling behind quickly. It's it's a lot to stay stay current with everything. The technology is changing so rapidly. I mean, more in the last five years than what we saw in the previous 25 or 30 years. Um you know, used to, we would hear technicians when I, I would go into a shop, I'm a relatively young guy. I'd go into a shop and somebody would say, well, I've been working on cars 30 years. I'm like, well, this is a 2018 and the technology that's in this car is only two years old. So we have the same amount of experience on it. Right. So any more experiences is really difficult to have, but having that experience is something that's no longer has to do with tenure in the industry. Mm-hmm. Technology is, is so new that we all have the same amount of experience, whether you're a brand new tech in the field or not, we've all seen this car the same amount of time, right? It's not some of these things that have changed are, are, are going to be gone soon too. So it'll be technology that just came out and then antiquated in a few years. So it's really wild. There's, there's way more. So we're seeing more people specialize too. And, we haven't quite got there yet to where we're specializing and saying we don't work on this kind of car or that kind of car. Um, because of that, we're, you know, our team has to grow. We have to have specialists in certain areas. We can't all know everything. 
it's really difficult. So yeah, when it comes to finding a diagnostician for us, we have to find, do we have a a, a gap in knowledge and we need to fill that gap. And then we got to find someone that fills it. And that means we may not find someone close to us. You know, it may be somebody outside of that. We only have two more technicians in the Tulsa area that we're looking to hire. We know them. We, we want them, but we have to get the space for them first. Yeah, so talk about the logistics of building a mobile diagnostic business. Like, how does that work, you know, in terms of just what you needed to put together to build, you know, to mobilize yourselves, to get yourselves out into the market, to service the market? Yeah, so for me on the – I'll talk about my side and then Liz has got a, a whole different side of that she deals with when it comes to logistics and dispatching and identifying the type of jobs and type of shops and qualifying shops. I mean that's all stuff that she deals with. For me, it's just the tools, equipment, and and can we do it? So most of my day is spent on on the organizing that of making sure we have the tools and equipment to do it. And that alone is probably a full-time job, like setting yeah. up vans, making sure they have what they need. Um, knowing what tools, there's so many tools out there and so much equipment out there. The easy part for us is get all the OE equipment. Then we have that. And then there's aftermarket stuff, tools, equipment, scan tools that do things that the OE doesn't do. And then that's kind of where you got to have a lot of knowledge with the tools. You have to use a lot of them. So a lot of tool companies have given us tools. Tool uh, Companies would let us try their tools out. Um, So because of that, we have pretty much everything that there is when it comes to scan tool. I think we individual if we don't count duplicates we have nearly 85 scan tools uh, and then and then some of those we have four and five and six of so you know the the logistics of that is is to get to where we're at now is is creeping up on on like a a seven figure number at this point on equipment which is outrageous to have all of it now the truth is is you don't have to have all of that to do it and especially if you're one you know one shop but what we looked at was the, the logistics of this is, is we couldn't do all of this in just the brick and mortar. We wouldn't see enough of the different types of cars and problems to have ROI on all the equipment. But then the mobile company, we really couldn't do many repairs mobile. So, you know, there's when you look at total sales versus like a brick and mortar, we, I would talk to other business owners and like, wow, you only did, you know, $600,000 last year. I'm like, yeah, but that was no parts. So if you take a normal shop, you know, and this wasn't last year, this was years ago, but way before we had any brick and mortar or anything, we're looking at like, man, we're just not hitting numbers like what other shops would with three people on the three techs on the road. And then you look and go, wait a minute, we're not selling any parts at all. This is all diag and programming labor. So there's cost and equipment and stuff, but it isn't like we're buying a part and showing a a much larger sales. So it was a weird territory. We reached out to different... um, different individuals that had done it. And it was kind of all the same thing. Like you either stay mobile or you go move your mobile company to a shop and kind of model a lot of what we do after that. But the logistics part of it, yeah, it's all tools, equipment for me. What can we do? What can we not do? What tool do we have to have next? What is the next purchase? What's the next field we're going to try to do? What, what training curriculum do we develop for our technicians to all be on the same page? And then when it comes to the mobile company, like logistics, that's all Liz when it comes to dispatching, talking to shops, (laughs) getting new customers, getting them to understand what we do and what we don't do was big. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that, you know, the, the first question that you get when you go to a shop and you're, you're trying to sell yourself like, Hey, here I am. This is what I do. This is what we offer. The first question is always price, right? So then you have to build that value for them to understand why we are better, what we can do for them. And the biggest like thing that, that we normally discuss with them is, Hey, you don't have to send your customer to a dealership or to another shop that is, you know, has the tooling or the 
you know, knowledge. Um, and so when it comes down to it, when you build that value and have those, um, those conversations, they're like, oh yeah, you know, and say, Hey, you know, just pass this, this is passed to your customer. This is what the cost of doing business, you know? And I think that once you have those conversations that you're able to get in the door and, and you're able to make those friendships, I, I would say that it's not just a business relationship. We have a lot of friendships. Um, and that's one thing about this industry is people are awesome. You know, really, I've, I've not really met anybody that I'm like, oh, yeah, they're just not like that great a person to work with. But I have. That, oh, OK. Well, I have. not <laughs> um, And so when you go into the shops, you, you get their business, then then you got to get those phone calls coming in. Right. Um, so you touch base with them. You know, you, you keep that relationship, that commu- line of communication open um, and just kind of discuss what kind of vehicles are you seeing? What kind of things are you what, what are some things that are holding you back, you know, and once you have those conversations and how you guys can, you know, it's a mutual beneficial, um, relationship, mutually beneficial, excuse me. And I don't know, it just seems to flourish from there, that relationship. And then you start getting those phone calls in, um, and then you kind of train them on what things they need, you know, if a Ford, if I do a PCM, like what items I'm going to need and all of these things, now the relationship's even stronger because like they're also bought into this, you know, getting their customer taken care of and like knowing what each vehicle needs. You know, we have a lot of documentation that we've helped all of our shops to understand what, hey, if this happens, this is what you need. If you know, um, And Keith is uh, just great on that um, to help understand even especially for me because I wasn't in a shop you know I don't know (laughs) I don't know a lot of the repair side and tooling side and I've had to learn along the way um but he's great at helping us giving us like a quick guide and things like that so um logistic wise like I said once you get that relationship going and then you're actually going into the shop and you're seeing these people you know oh every week every month maybe every three months depending on how you know their shop operates and um that I think relationship is just really key yeah. to, to doing the business. But there's a lot of technology we have to use to get yeah. the right vans in the right place. And how yeah. long is it going to take to do this job? And yeah, the type of software that you use, um, we've, gosh, we're on our third software. Um, we found a really great one for dispatching, but it's, it takes a very long time to build it because it is, you're literally building a, I don't know, Keith could describe yeah. it better. Yeah, so the software we're using is designed for like electrical contractors and plumbers and stuff that are sending people out to people's homes. So it's really great for having multiple technicians and areas and assigning stuff to people and where to go, but it wasn't built for automotive. But it's very customizable, so you can build it for anything. But that took us, goodness, a month to come and write everything in that allows us to make it towards specific to automotive. So this system allows us, like when we do an ADOS calibration, to assign the technician a type of job, and then the job template is based out. So they go and they show up and it says, hey, they're supposed to do a static ADOS calibration for this kind of car. So they start the job and it, it, it asks them step by step to, t- to put in the VIN number of the vehicle, then to put in the vehicle type. And then it's, a, so they got to do a pre-scan, then they have to upload the pre-scan and then they got to take a picture of the cluster, take a picture. They got to write in the tire pressures. They have, all these things are built into our software to where it, it's, it allows us to, to scale. So it doesn't take nearly as much time to, you know, we don't have to write an SOP out for how to do an ADOS calibration. It's pretty simple. You fill out the, the ticket 
and what's built into the template already because we've created that template. We did all the hard work. And then, of course, we provide them with all the service info and all that. So there's still a lot of you've got to be a good technician to do it. But some of the monotonous things of, oh, I forgot to write down tire pressures. That can't happen because they can't fill out a ticket without putting that in there. So all the key things that have to be done for each every job to make sure that we're doing it repeatedly correctly every single time is all done for our technicians. So the mobile part, that's the key to the mobile part is once you go away from yourself as the owner who has everything the way you want and you put some of that in somebody else's hands, normally you have to expect that now it can only be done to 80% of what you could do. That's just across the board. Just like if you're a multi-shop owner, multi-location shop owner, your first locations key, you built it up. It's everything you want. You can only expect your second location to be 80% of what you do. But with all of this software and stuff, we can really replicate the same thing across the board. But you can't do it like some of these huge companies that just pull a body in. It has to be someone who has the same attitude to do everything correctly. It's a long hiring process. It takes a long time. And a lot of it is we have to know the person ahead of time. We typically won't we haven't hired anyone that we didn't really know or that yeah. other people who work for us have worked with in the past. We have right. to know their skill set, their their attitude, if they want the same goals, if they have the same drive and passion as us. If not, if they're just here to clock in and clock out, it, it will not work. It just yeah. does not work because you have to be all in when it's a, as a diagnostician. You've got to really be in it. It takes a special kind of person. It really does. Yeah. And Liz, let's talk about you just for a brief second, because, uh, you know, you you had to learn to be that way. Right. You had to learn <laughs> to be to have that, you know, that detail oriented di- diagnostic type of mind because you, you're into doing the ADOS stuff. You're doing the van. Talk about like kind of how you learned the business, because I think it's I think it's such an interesting thing. You being an, uh, someone who's from the outside coming mm-hmm. into the business itself and then learning actually how to do things like ADOS. Yeah. So, I mean, first and foremost, like I mentioned before, Keith is, he's infectious, truly like his passion is infectious. And so once he kind of hooked me in, you know, I, I was, I was okay. Well, show me, show me, don't just do it and let me watch, like show me how to do it. And he's a wonderful teacher. Um, if anyone's ever taken any of his classes online or in person, um, I think everyone can attest to that. But I think one of my favorite things is one day I just didn't understand how something worked electrically, uh, after we had done a diag and he came home and we had a huge whiteboard and he just started like showing me wiring diagrams and how to read them and what everything meant. And to me, coming from someone that had no idea, but him breaking it down one thing at a time for me to understand. And he's like, this is the keys that you needed to know. So it was, it's a long learning process. I will say that um, realistically, I'm, I'm still not a good diagnostician. I wouldn't hire me as a diagnostician. (laughs) So, um, but that I just have changed from, you know, I started with programming and keys and refrigerant. Uh, I've done ADOS. Um, those are the things that, that I can do and I feel comfortable doing. Um, you know, I, you know, if I go a few months and not do a Ford, I have to, you know, refresh myself. Okay. I have, I have, I haven't done this for a minute or, Hey, you know, what has changed if there's anything? And so you, you do really need to stay in it. Um, you know, when Keith says to stay in it, be on top of it, you really do. Um, you're running the businesses and, and running dispatch and doing all the paperwork, payroll, taxes, all of those things is what I'm doing right now in the background, um, setting up markets and 
doing advertising and things like that. Um, I love it because, I mean, it goes back to my original background of sales and marketing, you know. So it's it's a culmination of everything, you know. It's not just one thing. Hey, you just have to be a diagnostician or, oh, you just have to, you know, just do ADOS. You know, everybody's kind of cross-trained and I think that it works really well for us that way. Well, I think that's, I mean, because you came in so green and you learned from Keith, I think, I think it's a testimony to his ability to teach. And I'd like to kind of segue into that, just the, the yeah. courses that you're providing. Keith, can you talk yeah. about the courses that you provide mm-hmm. and, and what's in them? Yeah, yeah. So it again, it's a very niche market. Like it isn't, it isn't something where I say every shop needs to sign up all their technicians because a lot of our stuff online is, um, it, and I mean, it, it could absolutely be applied if someone has the drive and the passion for it. But it isn't something you watch a, a an eight hour class and you're just like, oh, I know everything. I'm done. It's it's that's a springboard to you pushing yourself. So we offer everything from um, electrical and network diagnosis, which is. Um, a lot of the classes we're doing right now, a lot of the events around the country are all of our electrical network and key classes. But yeah, so everything that we do, we teach. We've got electrical programming is our, is our, that's our bread and butter. That's what everyone comes to us for is we're known for learning. If you want to learn how to program L1training.com, we got this course. That's, that's where we have it. Our entire course, uh, J box programming course, because it goes well beyond that. Once we start getting into OE tooling, it's, it's, hundreds of hours of, of research to, to kind of get all the tools down. So right now we have programming classes and we started adding classes on using factory tools. We've added classes for electrical diagnosis, network diagnosis, added classes for, there's some ADOS stuff in there. There's some EEPROM content in there. There's keys in the mobilizer class stuff. Uh, just a lot of the, the things that we do that you don't see in a day-to-day shop we train to those because that's what we're living i don't you don't want me training you on an alignment class because i don't i haven't done an alignment just short of the i do teach for one company that i have done alignment classes uh, that somebody else wrote so if you want me to teach it i hope that it's going to be um, keys electrical programming ados those things that we live every single day so that's really that's the most of what's on the website okay and how many uh classes do you have uploaded right now there's like eight actual classes that are, that are set up PowerPoint classes. And then there's lots of resources. That's the part that I'm bad about talking about is like, we have a programming guide in there and you can go to GM and go to 13 uh, Chevy. And then you can look and there's a list of vehicles and does it require uh, an LSID? Can you do a used module? Can you do like lots of resources and stuff like that? And then it comes into where do I find ACU coding um, for Hyundais and Kias? Well, this is how to navigate their website to get to this spot to find this coding to do variant coding that you need. And um, what tools and equipment do I need for this kind of, there's lots of like resource pages in there. And that's, uh, we also have a waveform library that's free for everyone, by the way. Um, Go to L1training.com. You don't even need an account. There's just a waveform library. If you need a cam and crank waveform, I host all of ours there and some that have been given to me. And it's just free resources. So there's stuff like that, too. Um, We try to just service as many technicians as we can. But, you know, really, we're working in this niche market. So it's not for the masses. Some people don't have, you know, if if a shop doesn't have a scope, probably not going to be able to help them with training. You know, it's they've got to elevate their equipment before they get there. So it's a it's a it's a catch all for everything we do. If it's anything you're interested in that we do, then we train it. We have it on the website. We have information about it. So. There's so much to this industry. It's not just, you know, one-sided. It's not just your shop. It's, you know, go outside of your four walls and, you know, meet more people, do your networking, do your training. And you're, I feel like everyone would be yeah. much more successful and in their everyday yeah. roles. 
And that's going to do it for us here today at Ratchet and Wrench Radio. Uh, I'd like to invite you to follow us on our social media channels on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as subscribe to our email newsletter, which goes out daily. Uh, and you can find that at ratchetandwrench.com. And that's R-A-T-C-H-E-T-A-N-D-W-R-E-N-C-H.com. And may the rest of your day be the best of your day. And we'll see you next week.